Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you uh, throughout the country. I uh, hope you had a terrific weekend as uh, we sit and review uh, the weekend that was sporting-wise. And this, of uh, course, courtesy of Brandt, your local John Deere equipment supplier. We're going to talk to uh, Sky Sport commentator Jeff McTainch with his take on the quarterfinals over the weekend. Um, predictable results, were they? Every home team winning? Perhaps there's an advantage there. We'll talk to uh, Jeff about that. Uh, just after 9.30, we'll have uh, a quick wrap on the World Test Championship. Uh, after 10, we'll talk to Fred de Jong, former uh, all-white, of course, Man City with the treble. What a wonderful season. I mean, you just cannot deny them when you like them or hate them. That is one hell of a football team. All three titles wrapped up just like that. Um, we'll have a bulletin with Sam Ackerman around about to 10.30 this morning. Sam will want to talk about the Warriors, no doubt about that. Uh, maybe a bit of tennis, a bit of super rugby in there as well. Uh, after 11 o'clock, uh, as usual, on a Monday, we like to catch up with uh, Andrew Voss from across the Tasman. NRL commentator and uh, SEN co-host over there with Brandy Alexander on the Brecky Show in Sydney. Uh, we'll have a sports desk with Logan Swinkles this morning, courtesy of uh, Polaris. And uh, we'll also uh, have a stump smithy around about 11.30. We'll have your texts on uh, 8833 on what you saw over the weekend. Um, and if you want to give us a call, 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is our phone number. Text machine, temper bed post text machine is double eight double three. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, it's official. Serbia can now lay claim to the greatest male tennis player of all time and the most dominant basketball, possibly, uh, basketball player also in history, too. Novak Djokovic has now reached the magical 23 slams. He has long sought courtesy of a straight set success at Roland Garros. He surely now is the undisputed all-court best there has ever been. He's not everyone's cup of tea, most of the greats aren't, but he possesses an incredible will to pretty much always find the way. He's tennis's joker, but basketball's version is having a great old time of it as well. Nikola Djokic, all seven foot of him and 130 kegs, is dominating this crucial part of the NBA like few seldom have done in the past, in the big man's role in particular. Surely, we have our Jordans, our Jameses, our Russells, our Kareems and our Kobe's, but this bloke threatens to dwarf them all. His presence and uh, big boy's skill is seemingly unstoppable. He is the Nuggets gold nugget and they will tomorrow be the NBA champions for the first time in their history. It's pretty crazy that Serbia is responsible for just 0.1% of the population, but they produce two of the world's most dominant athletes at the same time. So it's two jokers and a Jenna that dominate the headlines. Jenna who, you may ask, Jenna who? Try Jenna Antonucci, becoming the first woman in history to train the winner of a triple crown horse race when her horse Archangelo won the 155th running of the Belmont Stakes. 
Now there is an achievement for the ages. Aussies are the best test cricketers in the world. They have the mace to prove it. And methinks they could well make a mess of baseball in the next few weeks as well. And just finally, it's no consolation now to the Hurricanes, but if Artie says he scored it, he scored it, OK? Because you can always trust a good Rongatai college boy. They are very, very truthful lads. On that last play, you definitely got your body height the lowest. Did you feel you definitely got that down? Yeah, I scored it, brother. Um, but initially, I scored it and then he held me up. Um, but hey, it is what it is, man. I, I'm gutted, but honestly, brother, I'm, I'm just truly grateful and blessed, bro, to be here and um, play this game for my club and my team. So, um, pretty special moment. Um, but yeah, it's good. An outpouring of emotion there from uh, Artie Savia. He said, uh, I scored it, brother, I scored it. Um, and you've got to take Artie's word for it because he is um, that kind of bloke, I think it's fair to say. Um, also a great bloke too is uh, Jeff McTaint, who's uh, with us this morning. Jeff, of course, uh, watching all those uh, Super Rugby quarterfinals with an immense amount of interest. We'll get to uh, Artie shortly, Jeff. But uh, first of all, what did you make of the the quarterfinals in general? Every home team, of course, uh, being successful. Good morning, Smitty. What a weekend of uh, of footy it was, and uh, you know it was certainly entertaining. Um, all, all of the teams brought in different tactics, and and you certainly knew watching the the games that it was knockout footy. Um, you know there was a raise in intensity, and obviously I called the Chiefs game down in, in Hamilton against the Reds, and uh, we'll get to that shortly. But um, certainly the Reds. Brought plenty there tactically that I think um, the uh, you know the other teams will look at for this Chiefs side. You know they are vulnerable going into the uh, the semi-finals. So it was a great weekend of, of footy. I think from a uh, you know a challenge perspective, who, who got the most out of the weekend? I, I think you'd say um, the Chiefs and probably the Brumbies would be the two teams um, that were really tested the most. Obviously the Crusaders got a roll on in Christchurch. Uh, Fiji and Drew didn't really fire a shot there, and um, and obviously the Blues, whilst being tested early, uh, tactically they, they adjusted well against the Waratahs at Eden Park and and scored some good tries and rolled their sleeves up. So I think heading into the weekend, a lot's going to depend on uh, I think how the Brumbies travel and uh, and also um, how the Blues and Crusaders back up from you know what has been relatively easy wins. Obviously the Crusaders had. Had their injury worries too. So um, an interesting old wash up from the weekend, um, but it's going to be a titanic semi-final battle uh, in, in both matches. Put your, uh, yourself in uh, Michael Hooper's boots. I mean, he must hate <laughs> the sight or the thought of Eden Park. How often has he come here and been crushed? And they were crushed. Uh, 41-12, that was probably the most complete the Blues have been, I would think, this season, just at the right time. Yeah, and as I sort of said at the start, I think, and I spoke to Bowden Barrett after the game as well, and, and he was pleased with the way they, they could adjust. I think the, the Waratahs uh, brought some good line speed, good intensity early on, and, and obviously the Blues' tactic early was to try and put them under pressure with a high ball and some, some tick tactic, but they diffused that, and uh, the Waratahs then and, and, and made some really good inroads and scored a really good try up front um, through uh, through Ned Hannigan uh, early on, so... 
Um, I think the, flick, the switch was flicked when they, they scored that beauty down the left wing and uh, AJ Lamb helped get them up and Finlay Christie finished it. That was when they started getting a roll on. They didn't have a lot of territory, the Blues, and, and I think that's what probably uh, was probably impressive uh, the most in that first half is they managed to get back in the game, score the try uh, just on the stroke of half time, and then dictate terms in the second half by adjusting their game plan. So you've got to remember, no Patrick Thorpe-Lotu, Sam Darry was ruled out as well. So they had James Tucker, and I thought Tom Robinson came in and actually played a really good hand. You know, he um, he can come in with a hiss and a roll. Tom Robinson, he's had his, his history of injuries over the years too, but I thought he played really well. He obviously offers... Um, plenty on the side of the scrum too so um, you know I, I think and Bowden sort of said as much after the game he was impressed with the way they adjusted not only did they score some good tries uh, out on the edge but they also took them on really well uh, up front and, and down the middle of the park Well to say the Chiefs weren't at their best is probably disrespecting a, a really brave performance by uh, Brad mm. Thorne and uh, from the time where Brad Thorne said I think I've taken this team as far as I can I'm not going to do it next year they have actually played some damn fine football, um, and uh, I think they've just got better and better. Yeah, they have. I mean, that was a, it was an incredible performance by by the Reds. You take nothing away from them. It was courageous. They they defended um, brilliantly at times. Um, just a little bit of discipline inside of their own red zone uh, at times caught them uh, caught them out. You know, the, the Chiefs just piled on phase after phase, and and uh, you know, I just thought the Reds. Um, were so clinical for long long periods of that game uh, and as I say just, just letting the Chiefs through the door at the end and a good drive better guts I'll call it the other thing was Damien McKenzie was excellent off the tee yeah sure a lot of those uh, those uh, chances were, were pretty handy uh, we know how good he is off the golf tee as well so he was he was hitting them quickly but I think he got 19 odd points Damien so uh, he he's uh, in some form uh, Sean Stevenson had a reasonably quiet night, but again, he set up a lovely try for Emory Narua. So some good things there for the Chiefs, um, who, who still managed to win the game, you've got to remember. But a lot of kicking. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the teams have sort of said, well, look at that. How do you how do you take on the Chiefs? They were lured into that, that aerial battle by the Reds. And obviously, that was the key tactic coming in. They tried that on a new Plymouth at work. And you thought, well, well after the, the Taranaki results, surely things would be different. Yes, the Chiefs were missing players. But you've got to take your hat off to Brad Thorne. He came in with a clear tactic. Um, you know, Tate McDermott and the team executed it. I thought, um, you know, some of their players were, were, were sensational. Vinnie Valu had an excellent game. Jock Campbell kicked well from the back. So, um, you know, they... They'll, they'll look at that, um, you know, the way they want to play the Brumbies because uh, they play a similar style of game tactically. And, um, you know, they'll believe um, that they can go to Hamilton and, and win that game, especially after holding on against a very good Hurricane side. Right, let's get down to uh, Christchurch where uh, it was uh, cold. Uh, we always thought it would be a little bit difficult for the drawer, but uh, no shame on them. Um, they were whopped 49-8, but uh, to be perfectly fair... Uh, they've had a hell of a second season, for, uh, and they made sure that uh, everyone that goes to Fiji now uh, will treat them with the utmost respect because at home they're going to be very, very tough. The Crusaders mm. uh, backing up uh, some more injuries as well. Blackadder um, under doubt as well going forward. I think Moanga might be all right, but um, they just keep getting knocked around. Yeah, you got to feel for Ethan Blackadder. You know, he's had a, a heck of a run with injury and. You know, he was just coming back at the right time in such a huge year. So you hope that's not too serious. Um, I think it's a bit of wait and see with him. Zach Gallagher as well being ruled out. Obviously, they lost Mitch Dunshay and Cullen Grace for the season. So, 
really starting to, to run on the smell of an oily rag with, with their lock forward department and, and indeed guys that can cover the back row too. So as you say, Richie Maunga doesn't look to be too serious. Uh, I think that was the word from Scott Robertson after the game. So, you know, no David Harvey. They've, they've been racked <laughs> certainly uh, at the wrong time of the season. But, um, yeah, and as I sort of say, like, in a way, and, and by, by no means any disrespect to the Fiji and Drua, but had, had it been a, a Blues team that they were playing in the quarterfinal, or, or, or be it a Hurricanes or, or maybe even a Brumbies team, or the Reds, you know, it might have been um, a more torrid affair in terms of the, the toll it took on those Crusaders players. He was able to rest a few players at the end. Um, I thought some bright spots out of the Crusaders' performance, obviously. Uh, Step piece worked really well, uh, despite some of those injuries and being down to 13 players at the end of the game. Cody Taylor... Um, I think could be, um, you know, if, if, if they can get some ascendancy, some of the, as you know, at set piece, which, you know, is their hallmark, um, and, and, and Taylor gets that right off the back again. He's just in, in some form. And not only that, his athleticism and the way he, he moves around the park has, has been brilliant. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's the old thing with the Crusaders. You know, Scott Barrett, he's going to be solid again. Um, the unfortunate thing for them, of course, is that Sam Whitelock doesn't look like he's going to be playing uh, any further part. Potentially he might play in a final if they get there, but uh, it certainly doesn't look like he'll be playing any part in the semi-finals. So, um, you know, Will Jordan, he's he's uh, he's been relatively, you know, he, has, he probably hasn't hit his best form, has he, since he's been back. So there's, there's things that you can get excited about if you're a Crusaders fan, but Going up against this Blues team, it's going to be a titanic battle, and and I don't know, I, I can't pick it. I think maybe you just tip, maybe you just tip home advantage. Right, okay. Let's look at uh, the Brumbies Hurricanes. The, we build it as perhaps uh, the most even match of the round. I think it's fair to say it proved to be there. The headlines are around about uh, the last minute with uh, Artie's tribe. A supposed try being uh, disallowed. Uh, first of all, what did you make of that? And did the Hurricanes have other opportunities to win the game? Yeah, look, I felt for Artie Savier, and I think, you know, like, once uh, once all has been said uh, after this game, I, I think you look at that post-match interview, and if you've ever wondered what it means for someone to play Super Rugby and play for a club, like, that, that's a really important interview for somebody to watch, a young kid to watch, and go, well, that's what it means to represent your franchise, represent your region. And, and you know, as you said uh, in, in your build-up, Smithy, um, you know, Adi Savia is as honest as the day is long. So I, I don't um, I don't deny that he got that try. I think certainly on first look, uh, it looked like some of the ball got down on the grass. But unfortunately, the longer you look at that, and if you think about it, Nick Berry said no try. And if you're upstairs in the TMO box looking at that, you know, you've got to remember that initial call. And the longer you look at that, you see the hand under the ball. In fact, you see a couple of couple of hands there and a few other digits. You sort of start thinking, OK, well, he said no try. Is there clear and conclusive evidence that he has scored that? And that is the key thing. No try original call. And I guess you can say from a TMO perspective, well, I can't hand on heart, so there's no, there is clear evidence there. Um, so uh, certainly a tough way to finish. Obviously, he's off to... Japan on his sabbatical, but um, you know, from a, from a Hurricanes perspective, going forward, a lot of bright spots going into next year for, for Clark Laidlaw to work with. Um, but that Brumbies team, um, you know, as you say, like were there other opportunities? I think there, there might have been for for the Hurricanes around the park. Artie had an immense game. He was he was everywhere. You got to say, like some of his assists and setting up Kenny Naholo for that try, one himself. He was brilliant. Could have done no more. Hurricanes, yes, probably. But the Brumbies, too clinical in the, in the 22. Like, I think going into the game, they were top two uh, in the competition for uh, 
conversion and the 22 with points and you saw that uh, you know some of their tries are absolute beauties uh, the power of Lenicky Tower um, you know drawing up the defense of the Hurricanes on the outside of the umbrella defense and allowing some space in the, in the, in the, in the midfield um, and you just have to be so on point with your defense in there but they defended really well but there's a very very good Brumby game when you got Tom Wright uh, running right Debrasini I think is playing some of his best super rugby he played the trick of Noah Lolisio off the bench. Look, Stephen Larkin has got some real trump cards to work with. Wallabies are plenty. And, and no, they're going to be, I'll tell you what, that, that game in Hamilton, um, it'll be a full house. It should be a full house. It deserves to be because I'll tell you what, they're supporting a good Chiefs team, but that is a very, very good Brumbies team too. And I'll I tell you, that, that is going to be a close game. Both of them are going to be close, but that's going to be hard to pick as well. Crusaders Blues Friday night then. What do you make of this one, Jeff? As, as I said, I think it, it potentially comes down to um, to the home advantage for for the Crusaders. I, I think a lot's going to depend on uh, the uh, the ascendancy that they get, obviously, um, at the breakdown and, and at set piece as well. Obviously, both depowered slightly in, in the locking department uh, with uh, with the Blues having to field. Obviously, James Tucker got uh, saw four coming off the bench and Robertson there too, but. Um, no Sam Whitelock for the Crusaders uh, is it, huge. I think Scott Barrett obviously is going to rise to the occasion. But you're missing likes of Ethan Blackadder and, um, and Gallagher's had a good year too. So they are down a wee bit in terms of their punch. But as I said, likes of Cody Taylor um, and if Moonga uh, can get a wee bit of a tendency with his game plan, game management uh, and get the Crusaders in the right end of the park, but they'll be very, very hard to stop inside the 22 from, and I know, I know a lot of people aren't fans of, uh, of that line-out drive, including Justin Marshall, but mm. I tell you what, if they can get that, the, uh, the Crusaders go to be pretty happy. I think they might sneak home. The Blues, though, I just wonder the mental side of this. Uh, this was the hurdle they fell out last year, Jeff. Remember, they had that fantastic mm. unbeaten run, and then they copped the Crusaders when it yeah. mattered most, like they are this year, and I just wonder about yeah. the belief about going down there. Well, I think, you know, and, and this is something that's been talked about in the Blues camp the last couple of weeks uh, in the lead-up to the playoffs, is that I think, as you say, they had, I think, 13, 13 on the bounce coming into the into the uh, the finals last year and obviously up in the, in the, in the decider against the Crusaders. But this year, they haven't had it all their own way. They've had plenty of injuries. Leon McDonald has had to put a work with and and, uh, and tinker with his side. So the depth across the board has been tested. A lot, I think, Zahn Sullivan... Has um, has taken some immense strides this year as well, and and those other guys that have had to come in, the likes of AJ Lamb when Caleb Clark hasn't been available, and others have have come in and and um, and really played a hand. So, despite the fact that they haven't, you know, had a merry old way this year with the win streak, they've they've been able to bring guys in and go, okay, it's your turn, you step up, you show us what you've got this week, and and obviously you cannot talk about the Blues without talking about Mark Delia, the Delia factor, and I think um, that. If, if they are going to um, to do something special in Christchurch, um, you know, they, they're going to have to find a way of containing Mark Delaire. And even if Mark Delaire has a quiet night, he's going to be drawing two or three wide Crusaders defenders, and that's going to create a little bit of space for a guy like Ricky Uani who's having a blinder of a season a, as well. So, um, yeah, he, he creates the space and he'll create the time. And again, like we say with Moonga, if uh, the Blues can do that and, and leave a bit of space for Bowden Barrett to do things, then, uh, then it, it could be the, the way of the Blues. Bolton Papa Lee, I think, too, Smith, you'd have to agree, uh, played out of his skin the other night against Warwick. So, um, 
you know, breakdowns can be fascinating clash as well. Jeff, uh, this weekend, of course, uh, Ian Foster comes up with his first squad. We've been talking about the Stevensons. We've been talking, you know, uh, about certain other players. Are, are they going to break mm. through? Are they are the Talias and Co. Are the Narawas? Are, are they going to break through mm. the Roy Guards? You got to. I think you have to this year. I think we're, we're not in a position uh, in this World Cup, yes, Smithy. I mean, you've been to plenty of them. You know that this year in particular, we've got to try something new. We've got to roll the dice. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be uh, giving the bank jersey to players that have uh, risen to the level for us in the past. We should, be, we should be giving it to those guys as well. But you have to start giving it to guys that have performed in Super Rugby because that is, that is the point of this competition. It's to produce international players. It's to produce All Blacks. And so if guys have been performing like Imani Narawa and like uh, Mark Talia and Sean Stevenson, you have to give them a crack. You have to see what they're about. So that first squad of the year... Uh, for a rugby championship is going to be fascinating and I think it's the right time to go, OK, you've earned it, show us what you've got at test level and then it gives you options going into a World Cup, doesn't it? So, um, you know, that they deserve it. And I'll, there's a lot of talk around the midfield and this is one thing, look, personally I think you have to give a guy like Levi more. You, you have to try someone new because yes, we've got distributors in midfield, yes, we've got guys that give you another kicking option, another playmaking option, but you, you know, like, and I think it was a great loss when we lost Nani Lomapi to New Zealand rugby because I thought he was something different. You know, we, we saw the old firm for so long and, and, and Nono and Smith and what they could do. You had a power game, you had a distributor. Um, and I think, um, yes, we've still got that in some of those other players, but it's sometimes it's not a bad thing to go for a one-trick pony, especially if that pony's going to win you a race. Jeff McTainch, uh, fantastic uh, comments there. I, I look forward to the, the naming of that side as I do these uh, semi-finals this weekend. Thanks for your review, you, Jeff, uh, and continue your fine work uh, calling the games. Thank you. Good on you, buddy. Cheers. Jeff McTainch there uh, out of Sky Sport, of course. Uh, he called the uh, Chiefs game at the weekend. Um, not quite sure whether they'll have uh, a semi-final. We'll wait and see. But uh, certainly um, he's uh, really developing as a fine caller of uh, rugby in this country. And... Uh, with Nisbo, well, we're getting a little bit long in the tooth, I think it's fair to say about on this boat. Uh, Jeff McTainch coming through with uh, Tony Johnson. Sky in pretty good shape in the calling department, I believe. 9.24 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, double eight double three is our text number. Any thoughts uh, over Artie's try? What do you think about that? Um, the performance of uh, the Hurricanes, who's going to carry them on their back uh, going forward for Clark Laidlaw because Artie won't be there next year. Um, so there the Warriors, of course, uh, really brave defensive performance in the first half, which led to uh, them running away in the second half. Um, any other aspects of those Super Rugby finals that uh, you felt you saw over the weekend? Um, what about the Joker, Novak Djokovic? Is he the greatest tennis player of all time? Is he? Now that he's won the 23 Grand Slams, we'd love to hear from you on double eight, double three. the Joker. Uh, right, uh, Jason from uh, Woolbank has been uh, Maroolbank, sorry, Maroolbark. Marul Bark in Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, very, very true. Uh, sent us a couple of texts already. Uh, Jason, go you Aussies. We deserve the mace. Scott Borland, what a star here he is, a Victorian. He, absolutely. He is a star, and Australia completely and utterly do deserve to hold the mace. They are the best uh, test team in, on the planet at the moment. They're the most complete side. Um, not even baseball will stand in the way of Australia, says Jason. I'm kind of starting to believe you're right. Uh, I don't think that uh, they'll be able to go hell for leather, England. At, the, at Australia the way other sides do. 
And uh, to the Warriors for Sean Stevenson, if he does not get chosen to play for the Rugby World Cup in France, uh, sign him to join RTS at the Warriors in 2024. Great observations there, Jason. Thank you very much. It's 9.31. Uh, we encourage your text and double eight double three. We'll be back shortly. Smithy's Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Yes, well, let's uh, take a look at that World Test Championship. The last day, of course, uh, India started the day five chasing 280 more runs to win with seven wickets in hand. They had Virat Kohli and Ajinka Rahani at the crease. Both had got starts, but they had to start again, and that was uh, always going to be a bit of a problem. They had to bet uh, for their lives, India, uh, to get up and, and win this one. Uh, this is uh, the fall of the Indian wickets throughout the day. No inch given, just 15 runs scored in half an hour this morning. Boland up, Coley on 49, edge and taken! Stephen Smith at second slip, dives across, it's a screamer. Boland gets the huge wicket of Virat Coley. Boland here, Jadeja's second ball, edge as well! Boland gets two and three balls. Jadeja caught behind for a second ball duck. Australia on a roll. Scott Boland the star. India, 5 for 179. They are working them over. Stark to Rahane. He plays and misses at the edge, and he does. Mitchell Stark gets in on the act. And just when Ajika Rahane was giving Indian fans something to believe for again, he wafts at one. He throws his head back in dismay. And with that, any hope that India have is surely gone. Six for one, six for 212. Stark runs in, delivers again, it's short, and Carey taking an edge there, he has, it might have been a glove. Through to Alex Carey, brilliant take, high up to his left. Stark takes another, didn't know too much about that Umesh Yadav, didn't go for the full-blooded hook, just had a little prod at it. And India, now just two wickets away from facing a big, big defeat. Australia on the verge of becoming world champions, India 8 for 220. Line around the wicket, reverse sweep from Siraj, and he doesn't beat backward point. Scott Boland takes the catch to secures the World Test Championship final for Australia. The culmination of two years' hard work from Lahore to Gaul to Indoor, now back to London, losing just three test matches through that stretch. A side that's gone to the next level under Pat Cummins and a legacy defining trip. Couldn't have started any better. Mission accomplished. World Test Champions, Australia, victorious by 209 runs. The culmination of a wonderful chapter for Australian cricket and the coronation of the Pat Cummins era. Remember, it was at the start of this World Test Championship cycle that he was thrust into the captaincy role when he least expected it. One Australia, the Ashes. One Australia famous series in Pakistan, and now he's won them their first ever World Test Championship. That's what Australia do. That's what Australia do, all right. They are ruthless when they get a sniff of it. And uh, under Pat Cummins, you have to say they've developed into the, pretty much the complete side, which includes finding uh, a fellow batting at number five by the name of Travis Head, who is fast becoming a real star. And he will be in the Ashes as well. Why? Because he bats in a very positive manner. Um, he's prepared to take players on. He is extremely punishing square of the wicket on either side. You have to bowl full to Travis Head. Um, and, of course, India did not during that first innings. And uh, the partnership 
uh, between he and Steve Smith, which was worth 285 runs, was the winning of the match without doubt. And deservedly so, Travis Head was man of the match and uh, he was with Bharat Sandaresan after the game. Travis Head, thank you so much for speaking with SE and Test Cricket. World Test Champion, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's nice. Uh, obviously, an awesome start of the summer. Um, yeah, two years of hard work. Um, couldn't have gone much better, I think. Um, we were tested, we knew we were going to be tested. Coming here this morning, we knew if we doubled down on our plans, as we have done for two years, um, we'll reap the benefits and we, we played exceptionally well. So, yeah, nice, uh, nice, nice finish to the two-year period. Speaking of question marks, there have been question marks about your ability to play Firstly, in the subcontinent and in England, you didn't have a great tour last time around. So, does this feel uh, almost like a justification for all the hard work you put in and the innings you played here? Give it three, six more weeks and we'll, <laughs> we'll quit that question. But, uh, yeah, obviously India went through periods and I felt I played really well. Probably threw away that one chance for 100 in that last test. But then uh, to cap it off here and then get 100 over here, I guess, to kickstart uh, what is a, a, a summer for us here. Um, yeah, there's not many ways to, I guess, kickstart into what five more test matches and, and play as well as I have. Um, there's some, there's some, um, I guess, some moments in my game and some, some things in there to tighten up and sharpen up. But I knew that leaving into the test, um, knew the plans they were going to come to. So it's just like continuing that hard work for five more test matches. Just what we've seen over the last five days, Travis, and that really puts your innings into context, right? A lot of bat batters have struggled to get their eye in. I mean, Steve Smith took a while to get his eye in as well. But then the way you played felt like that's where the game was broken. Yeah, well, that's nice, and you don't, you don't, you never know until both teams battle on it. And there were periods where I guess, and we see that a lot in England, where the pitch feels like it just may have flattened out, the ball may get soft, different things can. Uh, it only takes a ball change or something. And then there were periods for the game where it looked really, really nice to bat. Um, losing the toss that first morning, I thought it was going to be challenging. Um, I thought 300 around that mark, if we can get ourselves into the game. Um, we, we kicks up, we have to play well, obviously. Um, but to get the score we did, um, for me and Steve to put the partnership where we did, it's really set the game up and we didn't realise that until later on in the game, which is nice. I have a theory that you average four times more with a moustache than you do without it. Uh, please tell me it's not going anywhere. It's not going at this stage. You might need a little tighten up. It's getting really long. Um, I may have started the process a little bit early um, to get through two more months of it. Um, Jessica, as, as you know, Jessica doesn't isn't the biggest fan of it. So... Um, I think if I can keep it tame um, over the next couple of months, it's here to stay, but we'll wait and see. It depends if I wake up one morning and had enough of it. I'm very, uh, very relaxed about it, but yeah, um, hopefully the, uh, the runs continue and the mo continues. Smithy, uh, as uh, Barat mentioned there, there has been a lot of question marks around Travis Head over the last couple of years. You know how ruthless uh, Aussie cricket media can be and the pressure that he was under. What do you make of this turnaround from Travis Head? Well, it's about hard work. It's about fixing uh, the areas of your game which are under severe scrutiny. I mean, uh, for instance, uh, it's still, as he said, ask me in six weeks' time uh, when uh, England have had a decent old crack at him over a, a decent period of time. But uh, at this point, he is averaging, averaging, just, averaging just 18 um, uh, on English soil. That's improved, of course, by that last Test match. But 18 on English soil, and that's nowhere near enough, is it, quite clearly? So he struggles with it, has struggled in the past in English conditions. So uh, they'll have theories. Um, England will have theories about Travis Head. They'll have studied the, the way he's turned his game around. Uh, but mentally now, I think he's in a better place than he has been for a while because of the numbers he's racked up. And because not just the numbers, it's, it's, the, it's the innings that he's put together when Australia have really needed them. I mean, he has come out with them three down in trouble uh, more often than not lately. And uh, with his aggressive approach and with his positivity... Uh, he has taken the game away from the opposition um, and back 
towards Australia. So that's the kind of role a number five can do for you. And uh, I, I like his spot in there. Uh, it is another left-hander. Hasn't been traditionally one of the greatest uh, players of spin, but Jack Leach is not in the England side. I don't think they're too accomplished in the spin bowling department. They've got Moen Ali coming in, but he hasn't played red ball cricket for a long, long time. So he's going to have to bowl sustained spells. Can he do that? We'll wait and see. Uh, I'll tell you who was a happy chap at the end of it, and why wouldn't he be? Pat Cummins, who's uh, suffered the death of his mother, so had an up and down time of it. His captaincy tactics have been questioned by certain experts. But at the end of the day, it was he that held the mace, and uh, also uh, he was able to catch up with Barrett uh, at the end of a really momentous occasion. Pat Cummins, thank you so much for speaking to SEN Test Cricket. Um, first of Australian captain to win the World Test Championship. Has it sunk in yet? Uh, no, um, but it, yeah, it feels amazing. Um, great reward for the group over the past two years where we've played a lot of fantastic cricket. And just about that journey, um, you know, you take over as captain at the start of this cycle uh, and then just the Ashes to start with and those tough tours going to Pakistan after all those years, Sri Lanka, India. So does it feel like a culmination of some sorts? It, it does. To make a Test match, um, you know, final, it's not just winning at home. You've got to be successful um, on a way to as well. And, um, yeah, we had a great series in Pakistan, Sri Lanka, good Test win in India. They all... You know, count so um, yeah, felt like we richly deserved position in the final and to get it done. Awesome. Uh, and you know, there are many heroes for you during this game, but just the innings that Travis had played. Now, when you look back and put it into context, it feels like that's where the game really was broken. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we lost a toss, and it was a pretty you know sticky day there for the, for the batters to be batting first day, overhead conditions. A tinge of green in the wicket, and the way Steve and particularly Trav went about it, um, put the right, you know, the pressure right back on on the Indian side. Really special knock. He's, you know, played quite a few of them over this cycle. Uh, he's a special player. Um, another special player who stood out for you this morning, Scott Boland. Uh, you know, overnight it looked like India had some sort of momentum. Virat was batting really well, so was Ajinkya. But just to knock over Virat uh, after that spell. What was it like just standing in mid off and watching him do that? Uh, Scott is the best. I think. Uh, yeah, Trav and Scotty are my two favourites. I don't know how I could pick between them. Um, yeah, Scotty just gets better and better. You know, he just takes those important breakthroughs. I thought it was fantastic all game. You know, kept control of the, the run rate, always looked threatening. And, um, yeah, got his you know, rewards this morning with two wickets in and over. I mean, you came to England with two missions. Um, one you accomplished, you're World Test Champions. Uh, do you give yourself a day or so to just soak this in, celebrate it before you start thinking about the Ashes? Yeah, that's it. We'll savour this. Um, let it soak in for a couple of days. And it, it's been a, a two-year journey to get to this final. So we'll um, sit around, share a few stories, I'm sure, over the next day or two before we switch on uh, a, bit, a little bit closer to the first test. What was it lifting a mess up after winning a world title? It was a bit different, actually. I didn't mind it. Yeah, it felt like a... I don't know, like... What's the... Poseidon or something? One of those characters. <laughs> felt a bit different to the normal cup. Uh, and just finally, personally, uh, for you, body's feeling good. I mean, you... you I had a few issues with the no balls, but your rhythm as well going into today felt good. And uh, looking forward, you have what five test matches in seven weeks. Yeah, body feels great. Um, Thirty odd overs for the test, which is you know about where you'd like you'd like it. So I feel like I've got enough work in, but not overdone. Um, yeah, need to sort out the front foot, but rhythm felt better today. So I think we've we've got it sorted. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll be good to go next week. Yep, uh, they're in a good place. Uh, don't worry about that, Australia. For me, they are the favourites to uh, to win. They are the favourites to win the Ashes on the strength of that. That is the perfect performance uh, for them 
in a perfect build-up situation just happened to be the World Test Championship final with all its pressure. So uh, for me, uh, they look uh, just a little bit more fine-tuned than England, even though they are at home. It is uh, coming up to uh, 9.45. We'll be back with a multi shortly. Smithy's Cricket Update. Thanks to Razine, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when the hold Know when the fold Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away Know when to run Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, Bulldogs are playing the Eels tonight, so uh, not only do we have Thursday night uh, rugby league at the moment, we have Monday night league as well, so it uh, spans the whole, uh, basically the whole week, doesn't it? The Bulldogs are uh, plus six and a half, they get a point start tonight against the Eels, I'll take that at a dollar ninety. such a hard comp to pick though, to be fair. Italy to beat Uruguay in the uh, under-20 World Cup at $2.40, and the Vegas Golden Knights to beat Florida, uh, even Logan Swinkles uh, agrees with uh, that happening, he thinks uh, the Golden the Vegas Golden Knights have got it uh, in the palm of their hand basically, $6.47 for that multi, so uh, pretty pleased with uh, the outcome of that. Uh, I can tell you some great scenes at the uh, Canadian Golf Open, uh, that's being played in Toronto, uh, where Nick Taylor, who is a Canadian, and uh, he is uh, a one-shot lead at the moment. Uh, there's still uh, a player out on the course by the name of Tommy Fleetwood who could run him down. Uh, but at this stage, Nick, uh, Nick Taylor has this. Now, Nick Taylor, if he was to win this, would be the first Canadian to win his national championship since, believe it or not, 1954. 1954. So we're keeping an eye on the PGA. And that would be quite uh, something. Um, the Canadians, uh, Logan Swinkles, are giving them a right old support level here, I can tell you. The O Canada is uh, <laughs> being belted out around the place. And uh, they uh, nearly 70 years since one of theirs has, has won their own tournament. Yeah, and Oak, the Oakdale Country Club uh, there in North York uh, is looking picture perfect today, Smithy. I love, you know you know how like in a lot of the uh, courses around the PGA Tour, they have their own flavour, they have their own personality. I love with the uh, Canadian Open that they have ice hockey boards uh, at the tee boxes, just adding mm. that little Canadian flavour. I just think it's a really nice touch. Well, it's uh, one of two countries, I believe, I can't remember the other one, I heard it in commentary yesterday, where hockey is their national game. I'm trying to think what the other country would be. Would it be one of the Scandinavian countries? or? But certainly Canada, they, they regard ice hockey as their national sport. Yeah, I'm thinking it's either Sweden or Finland would be my guess. Okay, fair enough. We'll keep a, a posted with that, folks. Tommy Fleetwood uh, walking down the 17th hole at the moment. He is one shot behind... And the last hole is a very birdieable par five, so we could yet have a playoff. And uh, Tommy Fleetwood might just uh, rip the ration card of those uh, a multitude of uh, Canadian fans, and they are really packed in around the 18th green, waiting to see if Tommy Fleetwood can spoil the parade. But we shall see. It is uh, 9:53 here on SENZ. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Right, uh, some texts have come in uh, as well, and we thank you for that. Uh, Kevin um, Smithy, on the try, he might have got it, but who could tell? I couldn't. No use guessing. It will still be the same score in 10 years. Moaning won't change, and it was the 85th minute. I, I didn't think that uh, amount of time was uh, justified. They should have tried to win it 70th minute, not a bonus 85 minutes. That's Kevin from uh, Titarangi. And, uh, Kevin, you're quite right there, and from all accounts, uh, I didn't see the last... Uh, part of it. I have reviewed the uh, the Ardy decision, but I didn't see the last part of it where I understand that Geordie Barrett had it offloaded, then uh, they would have won the game anyway. So, um, so I'll, uh, I'll look to catch up with that as well. Um, also, Ken has said this, Smithy picking Blues Brumbies final and Bryce Heem to be named on Sunday. Cheers, Ken. Well, there's no doubt about Bryce Heem's had a very strong season. Uh, he's getting a bit long in the tooth. Uh, I think Bryce is around about 35, 36 years of age. Been around the scene for a long, long period of time. But, um, you know, not to be uh, not to be uh, unreckoned with, put it that way. And here's what a good text. It's a good segue, actually. Hi, Smithy. Great weekend of sport for me. The highlight was Man City's Champion League win. They were in great state. They are now in the legend status. We talk about this team in many years to come, as we've often talked about Manchester United. Patrick from Ashburton. Great segue, Patrick, because after the break, we shall be talking to Fred de Jong, former All-White, about Man City and the season they have had. Brilliant. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, this is unscheduled. Uh, that is the music for breaking news, and I know nothing of this, so uh, when I hear it, you'll hear it uh, at the same time. So, well, Logan, what have you got for us? Yeah, this, Justin, from the Chiefs. They've announced today that uh, Chiefs and North Harbour first five, Bryn Gatlin, will make the move to Japan in 2024 to play for the Kobe Steelers. In good company, Gatlin will make the shift alongside uh, Brody Retallick, who announced his departure earlier in the year. Chiefs head coach Clayton McMillan said, Bryn has been an excellent chief over the last three years. He's an experienced and calm tactician, an outstanding goal kicker, and a tough defender. These qualities will serve him well as he embarks on the next phase of his rugby journey. Okay, uh, I think a really wise decision for Bryn Gatlin. Don't think he was um, in the upper echelon or in the World Cup thinking. Um, I, I really believe that uh, for him in terms of finance, uh, that is a, an extremely sensible decision and I uh, wish him all the best. That's my initial thoughts anyway. Uh, there'll be other people with a uh, differing opinion on that. What cannot be denied though in terms of football is the magnificent, I mean magnificent uh, season Manchester City have had. Uh, have had and they capped it off with uh, a win over uh, Inter Milan at the weekend in the Champions League final. And they've done it! They've done it! Manchester City have done it! Once, twice, three times the champion! Champions of Europe finally! History made in Istanbul! The treble complete! The greatest story in club history has an ending! And what a final chapter! Rodri with the goal, Edison with two outstanding moments of Pep Guardiola, he's a European champion again, there's a blue moon shining over Europe tonight, and Manchester City are the kings of the continent, this elusive trophy is finally theirs. 
Well, uh, how much praise can you heap on one performance on one squad? Uh, belted out there by the commentator in about 38 seconds. Uh, yes, they beat it into Milan 1-0 in Istanbul of all places. Uh, and uh, cringing at every, every syllable of that particular piece of commentary was our guest this morning in terms of football, and that is a former white uh, Fred de Jong. Um, well, Fred, uh, you have to say it. You have to say it. It's been a hell of a season, mate. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> Boy, he did, he did well, the old comment. He got his note. I think that's a pre-written, pre-written set of notes right there. <laughs> he's, um, he's rattled it off as fast as you like. Blue sun. Blue sun. The blue moon. Um, yeah. No, nah, I mean, uh, City have been the, the outstanding, probably the outstanding team in Europe for the last... Uh, two or three years, to be honest. Um, so, and the, but they've always fallen at, uh, during the Champions League. This year, they um, after you know, it was a, I thought it was a really good game. It was much closer than I thought it was going to be. And then uh, Inter, Inter, I thought were excellent. And then, but you know, too much quality in this Man City side. Um, you know, they can they've, they've got the funds to obviously just pick and choose whichever players they want to get. And um, and this is the result of that. This is the crowning uh, glory for Pep Guardiola, you think? Um, he goes now into the upper echelon? Oh, he's always been there, I think, um, with what he did at Barcelona as a player, um, firstly, and then uh, certainly as a manager. You know, he did the treble with uh, Barcelona, I think it was in 2008, something like that, um, you know, and, and revolutionised um, the, the way the game's played, I think, um, around that time. Um, with the introduction of the whole tiki-taka thing, which sort of um, did its dash for three or four years where it was all about possession, possession for possession's sake almost, you know. Um, and then, um, but then it evolved into this, um, into, the, into what you see now, um, which is, you know, yes, you can keep the ball, but with the intent of going ahead and scoring goals. And it's a much, much more entertaining um, brand of football um, but no, Pep Guardiola has been, you know, at the top of the game for ten years now. I think, um, you know, he's first at Barcelona, what he did with them, um, and then then at Bayern Munich, and now at Manchester City, and you know, first first manager now to do to get two trebles, one with Barca, one with now with Man City. So, so yeah, he's um, the best. He is the best manager in in the world at the moment. As you said, Inter Milan were uh, a lot better than you perhaps thought they would be, which meant there was pressure on the defensive side of things for Manchester City and their keeper, Edison, had an incredible match. Yeah, especially, the, especially in the last 15 minutes. Um, I think if, uh, if Lukaku could get out of the way, um, then Inter would have scored. Or if he could head the ball to the side of the keeper, they would have scored. Because um, Inter had these two fantastic opportunities at the end, and Edison, as you say, came up big in the second one, just got his knee in the way somehow of Lukaku's header from about four yards. Um, I mean, that should have been a goal and probably send the game into extra time. Um, and then even the, the last kick of the game from a corner, just a, a, a flick header, and he's just got his hand up and, and, and knocked it away. So, yeah, I mean, you need... You need big players to play big games and in, in, in the big occasion, and and he certainly he certainly did that. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought Inter were excellent in the way in the fact that they were so brave in the way they played the game. They just played out from the back. Uh, they 
So he played through the Manchester City press, which we've seen throughout the English Premier League. Not a lot of teams do that. Not a lot of teams try and pass through this Man City side. And we saw Arsenal try and do it, and it just completely unraveled for them. And you would have, um, you would have sort of understood if, if Inter had sort of hadn't hand tried to do that in the final. Had they, they could have bombed the ball forward and just bypassed playing out from the back. But no, they, they stuck to the way they've played all season and they were brilliant from the back. And I thought they, um, especially with Brozovic in the middle of the park, just really, really good. And, uh, and, you know, Man City didn't play to their best, but yeah, made it a really, I thought it made it entertaining, especially the second half, very entertaining game. Is that um, is the neutral venue good? Do you think that that um, that's apt? I'm playing in Istanbul. Is that is that fair for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and it's such a big event. It's um, uh, you know I've, I was lucky enough to go to one in uh, 2012. Um, Chelsea played Bayern, and it was actually in in Bayern Munich Stadium in the Allianz Arena in Munich. And um, it, I mean, it's a massive, massive game. Um, and so even, even to the point, they, the ticket you get, um, the, um, cause yeah, it was through Oceania. I, it was like, a um, it was like a, the ticket you, I, the ticket I got was put inside a, a, a plastic, um, uh, folder thing. And it was like hard plastic and it was, it was like everything about the event is just, at the at the top level and so um to to try and organize that maybe you know three or four weeks before once the the finalists are known it's just too difficult and so uefa um they yeah they they pick the the neutral venue or they pick the venue um basically a year out and or x, x months out and so they can do a really really good job and uh, and it is it is an amazing event if you get if you get the chance to go it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly one that if, <laughs> phenomenal occasion, and yeah, I think this was this was right up there. Um, I think uh, the 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 way they put the 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 event on really really good. What did you uh, have you been able to um, run your eyes over any of uh, the uh, under 20 World Cup and if you have what have you made of the standard of uh, football in Argentina coming through the ranks of the world I mean as we speak it's Uruguay nil Italy nil um, in the 54th minute Yeah I um, saw obviously watched the New Zealand games um, watched a few of the watched the uh, Italy Brazil game which was an amazing game I thought it was uh, probably the best um, one of the, the best games I've seen at, at this level. I thought it was really, really good. Um, the I think the Italians um, have been have been very, very good, and they've scored a lot of goals. Um, been a lot of upsets. Israel, obviously, claiming third place is um, mm. is, a, is a massive turn up um, for the competition. Um, they beat Uruguay, was it one nil um, for the for the third place? So, um, so yeah, I Brazil, think, um, I think. Oh, was it no? That wasn't Brazil. Korea, I think. A bit Korea, but they Korea. Or, sorry, they sorry, Korea. Yeah, yeah. you're a guy. You're a guy. Final. Um, so yeah. yeah, Korea. That. Um, so for Israel to to do that is you know just an outstanding achievement. Um, I thought from a New Zealand perspective, I thought um, you know obviously we we did what we probably were expected to do. 
Um, we've done reasonably well in this tournament over the last four or five editions. Obviously, we qualify very easily um, through Oceania, um, but we've made the knockout stages in the last four or five tournaments, which means we've ended up in, in which gives us a better draw because we end up as, as one of the second seeds. Um, so, we, in, in essence, we probably did what we um, should have done. Um, I think the draw against uh, Uzbekistan was you know, a bit disappointing in that we were 2-0 up and drew 2-all, and then we just got smashed, absolutely smashed by Argentina and the USA, um, So, you know, which, was, which in the end was very disappointing as well. Um, but, yeah, I think the standard of, of under-20 football is, um, like the rest of football in the world, is just going is getting better and better. Um, and, you know, a couple of players, you'll, you'll see a couple of players out of here um, yeah, uh, on the world stage in future years. Although there's a, there are a whole bunch of under-20 players who haven't been released from their clubs um, to, to play in this tournament, which is disappointing as well. It is quite incredibly disappointing, actually. Uh, yeah. The Phoenix made a move yeah. on Friday in terms of their, their custodian. They've signed... Veteran goalkeeper Jack Duncan from the Newcastle Decks, uh, Newcastle Jets. I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> what do they uh, What do they achieve by signing this fella? Bearing in mind at 20 years of age, 20, 21 in uh, July, Alex Paulson um, has probably number one claim. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. I think um, I think Alex Paulson yet to yet to really be tested um, at A League level. He's he's stood in you know a couple in a, in a few games. Um, hasn't hasn't been hasn't disgraced himself. Obviously, um, that's why he's still there. But um, I think for the, the the Phoenix, they always we had to sign another keeper. Um, and Jack Duncan's been around the traps a fair bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can actually push um, Paulson and and for the for the main spot. I mean, the one the one thing in, against Alex Paulson is his size. He's short. He's not a tall keeper. And so he's not an imposing figure by any stretch of the imagination. And so I think, you know, um, that that, all, that potentially could count against him. And so we'll see. Um, so the Phoenix are always going to sign a keeper. And I think, um, yeah, this is this is the first of probably a few signings that we're going to see from them over the coming months. Five weeks till the start of the FIFA Women's World Cup too, Fred. Um, New Zealand against Norway is the uh, opening match at Eden Park at 7pm. Uh, it's been pretty quiet coming out of uh, the Football Ferns camp, I must say. Not much going on there. No, 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 no. I, I agree. I think, um, you know, they're just be- beavering away, trying, you know, they've, um, they started the camp a, a while ago with a, a bunch of players who were, who'd finished their seasons. You know, a lot of Phoenix players were there. Um, and then, you know, the, the main sort of tranche of players are coming in now um, for, the, for the training camp as all the, all the um, seasons around the world are winding up or breaking for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Um, you know, interesting. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the, the big announcement's going to be when the squad gets announced um, in a few weeks' time. Uh, and, and we're starting to see, you know, now around the world other squads being announced um, as well. So... So yeah, that's that that'll spark a bit more interest. Um, yeah, I think it'll be. We saw that they've passed a million ticket sales, of which the mm. large bulk are, uh, have been sold in Australia, um, which is more than the last World Cup, which is um, which is a good sign. 
I think, um, yeah, I think New Zealand, New Zealand is typically <laughs> are very late in buying their tickets. So hopefully we get to see um, a whole bunch more Kiwis um, buying, picking up tickets um, closer to the event. But um, yeah, selling, trying to trying to sell out 29 games is a big ask um, ticket-wise. Uh, so so yeah, it'll be. I think that that's probably the area that is uh, causing the most concern, I think, for the organisers of, of the tournament, especially on the side of the Tasman. Fred De Jong, always great to catch up with you. Thanks very much for your assessment of all those matters this morning. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for that uh, FIFA Women's World Cup, I've got to say. Um, <coughs> there's always something going on in the football world. Cheers, man. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Cheers, Fred. Awesome, mate. Cheers, man. Thanks. Thank, thank you. Yeah, Fred De Jong there, of course, uh, former All-White with his uh, thoughts on uh, Manchester City. Uh, Pep Guardioli, I was, I was kind of thinking, uh, is he as good? Can you put him in the Ferguson bracket yet, the Alec Ferguson bracket yet? Um, don't know. Could you? Um, I suppose City fans will say yes. Manchester United fans will probably say no, not yet. Uh, he needs a few more years like that, but uh, certainly um, the upper echelon, uh, as uh, Fred De Jong was saying, in terms of his thinking, because uh, he's been doing it now for around about a decade, as a genuine achiever in a very, very tough market. Uh, 10.18 here on SENZ. We'll be back shortly. Rightio, uh, golf fans, uh, let's keep you updated with what's happening in the Canadian Open. Um, Tommy Fleetwood has just uh, made an effort to birdie the 18th from around about 50 feet and has left it uh, about a foot to the right of the hole, which means uh, when he knocks that in, we will have a playoff between Tommy Fleetwood of England and Nick Taylor of Canada. Um, and uh, that will be for the title. And uh, just reminding you that no one, no one from Canada has won uh, their own national open since 1954. 1954, and Logan, I think, is just um, trying to update us on who exactly that was. Pat, way, way, way back. Pat Fletcher, yes. Uh, the only Canadian, well, the last Canadian up to this point to win the uh, Canadian Open, inducted into the Canada Sports Hall of Fame in 1975 and the Canadian Golf Hall of Fame in 1976. Smithy, his best ever result in a major came with the Masters back in 1955, retired for 32nd. 32nd, so there's no mug, um, but uh, you would imagine with all the fine golfers they've had over the years and they've got a really good crop of them, um, now, uh, Canada, paying in uh, the PGA. In fact, there is uh, three or four in contention to win at this point, uh, this tournament at this uh, certain stages this week. Um, but um, it looks like it's going to be a playoff uh, between Nick Taylor um, and a very raucous crowd too. They'll go down 18, which is a par five. Uh, incidentally, Tommy Fleetwood really got it wrong on uh, the 18th. He made par, but it's a regulation birdie. If you hit uh, your drive in the fairway, you've got uh, a relatively short club into. Um, and the bar five, it's only playing, uh, playing 500 metres. I mean, for a lot of golfers, it would say, hell, that's a long way. But for these guys, that is not. Um, and he hit two irons, one off the tee, straight in the rough, and his second one out of the rough, even further into the rough. So he made it very, very hard for himself to win it outright. And CT Pan, very creditable finish for him. Uh, he finishes at 16 under with uh, Alan Rye out of uh, England and Terrell Hatton out of England. So Englishman. Three Englishmen in the top five, and of course uh, we shall be talking a lot about golf uh, in the, the coming week because we have the US Open coming up uh, out of the Los Angeles Country Club. Right, uh, let's have uh, a look at uh, a couple of texts that have come in. 
Uh, Mike has just reminded us of the fact if Nick Taylor wins, he'd be the first to win since the 50s. Thank you. Um, Kevin has said, Morning, Smithy. I'm picking the Brumbies to host the Crusaders in the final. Uh, the Blues lack it uh, when it gets tough. And uh, the past has proven that as for the cricket, what a damn squid, Rowett and Pujara caused the slide. Those two shots they played uh, were hideous. Uh, why would you try and sweep one of the best spinners in the world off middle stump off his third ball? Uh, that was uh, Rohit Sharma. And as for Pajara, hit and giggle um, that's uh, on Mission Bay. That's the kind of shot that he played. So, yeah, Pajara, it's been a while since uh, Chiteshwa Pajara has actually come up with the goods for India. He's uh, regarded as the, the best thing they've had in terms of that type of player since... Uh, since uh, Rohit, uh, no, the, the current coach, whose name... Um, uh, Rahul Dravid, uh, um, yeah, Rahul Dravid, who they nicknamed the War. Well, this guy was the new War uh, for all intents and purposes, but he's just failed to flatter um, uh, a f- few times of, of late. So, um, for me, for me, um, you know, uh, India were lacking there. They didn't have a genuine number six, and they certainly did not play. Um, you know, when they, when they left out Ashwin, um, they gave, uh, I think, Australia a real shot in the arm. Uh, Chris has said India lost that match on day one, but Australia do, deserves to win, and now the Ashes should be great, but I still think England with that. Well, Chris, um, yep, uh, you and I differ on that. I just kind of think Australia's got the best balanced bowling attack um, in the world, and I don't think, I think they've got the smarts to make sure that uh, England don't take them for five and a half to six runs and over. I can I can see them uh, already, uh, and Daniel Vittoria is very central to this. Daniel Vittoria against uh, McCullum, really. Daniel Vittori, uh, he's the bowling coach for Australia. His strategies um, on how they're going to counter this, how he'll work with Nathan Lyon to make sure he doesn't get targeted. Uh, they'll have studied tapes and tapes and tapes of uh, the English batting lineup. Um, Harry Brock will no longer be a surprise element. They'll have done all their homework on him. And at the top of the order, the top of the order, which worries me from England's point of view, I'm not sold yet on Duckett, and I'm certainly not sold on Crawley. And if I look at the man for man, the batting lineups just don't compare to me. Okay, Joe Root, yeah, sure, Joe Root, Steve Smith, Ollie Pope's got a long way behind uh, Lava Shane for me in terms of numbers. Um, and then you've got Travis Head in, in, in brilliant form. Stokes, okay, Stokes matches up in that all rounder slot uh, against uh, Cameron Green very well. In fact, probably dominates that. Um, and then yeah, they they do look strong with Bearstow. Uh, best a fine player but hasn't played a lot of test cricket for a while Alex Carey's in good nick so it's, an, it's absorbing the two clearly clearly uh, the two sides that um, I, I think um, uh, are going to really take this Ashes by storm I think it's going to be one of the classics and don't forget uh, Steve Alka this morning too folks uh, one of the great friends of the show finished second equal this morning behind Steve Stricker Steve Stricker winning uh, quite convincingly in the latest Champions Tour event uh, but uh, Stephen Alka finishing second equal. Uh, brilliant. A uh, question here uh, has come in and said, did Mike Weir Masters winner not win his home tournament? Well, um, according to us, no, and according to the coverage on television, no. Um, they've said that Pat Fletcher was the last Canadian to win the Canadian Open back in 1954. So uh, when CBS or ESPN put it up there for all to see, uh, I tend to believe them. So uh, I think that's a no. Mike Weir never won his own Open. It is coming up to 10.30. Uh, we'll have a bulletin when we come back with Sam Ackerman. It'll be dominated by Rugby League, and why not?
The Bulletin. Right, uh, the bulletin uh, with Sam Ackerman this morning. Before we get to Sam, we can answer a question uh, about did Mike Weir ever win the Canadian Open? No, he won the Canadian Masters in second equal in the uh, Canadian Masters when Mike Weir won it. Stephen Olker. So there you go. Um, and uh, Mike Weir played in this tournament, shot two under, so a very creditable performance. But let's get on to the serious nature of uh, Sam Ackerman and uh, the Rugby League over the weekend. Uh, Sam, I look at that Warriors performance and um, watching the ball at the moment and loving it, but... Um, if ever you turn defence into attack and uh, make it profit that way, I think that's the greatest example I've ever seen. Uh, morning, Smith. Yeah, look, we spoke, you and I, at the start of the year. You said, what's Andrew Webster going to bring? I said, you will see a difference in defence from this Warriors side because that's what that's his bread and butter. What made him part of the premiership winning setup at the Panthers is his ability to put confidence in players with a defensive strategy. You can see that in the Warriors. That they, they, they were being peppered on a very emotional occasion by a, a Canberra side who, who certainly didn't produce anything like the best Canberra can produce, if we're fair. But the fact of the matter is, there were many opportunities for the Warriors to cave. They didn't. They held their own. They they um, made sure that the um, the shots were firm. Uh, they they did miss quite a few tackles in the first half, but they were there to back it up. So it's a it's a real credit to how this team um, gets in and. Uh, and, and rips in with uh, their routine. It's made a huge difference to their attack as well. And I think the, the number one example, and I know that we seem to be you know, always dwelling on this bloke, but the number one example of that is Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson's attack has flourished because his confidence in defence has gone through the roof. He, is no, he no longer has a quote-unquote weakness to his game. So many halves get protected in the game of rugby league. A, a second rower who sits on his shoulder and either does most of the tackling or makes sure that when he misses a tackle... Um, uh, they're there to clean up the work. Sean Johnson's had that throughout his career. And imagine the back of your head knowing that there's a part of the game that you are a bit of a liability for the team. The confidence has been built up through the way uh, the style he's been given. And Andrew Webster saying, we've got faith in you. You can do this. It's gone right through to his attack. I mean, Sean Johnson, after getting that whack on the snoz, had every reason to stay off the field. And, and virtually every season gone by, he probably would have with the cue in the rack and the game the game won. He not only was in a hurry to come back on, when they conceded a try in the last couple of minutes of the game where it didn't matter at all, he was leading a chase, a very strong chase from that Warriors side, all the way down from that kickoff to be able to get that last intercept to score. He had no reason to be there. At that stage of the game, he had no reason to be chasing that. But there he was, driven by it. So it's, it's a confidence thing, uh, and the way that the, the Warriors have faith in their defence is, is phenomenal to watch. Luke Metcalf, how are you watching his, um, his role alongside Sean Johnson now that he's starting to get a decent run of play? Had that incredible start to the pre-match season, that it had the injury. What about that combination? Yeah, I, I like it. I, listen, I, I'm certainly personally of the opinion that once um, Tamati Martin is up and running uh, in a genuine capacity, there has to be room for him uh, within that team somewhere. And I liked everything he was bringing as a, a foil to Johnson at six. But tell you what, watching that, you think, listen, I've seen Martin play in the centres. Maybe, maybe you need to accommodate the, the three of those guys within that team. And that's a real credit to, uh, to Metcalf. He's, he still looks like uh, he could put on a, a few kgs. Uh, he looks mm. uh, like you know, one of those young players coming through. And he's not that young. At 24, he should, you know, he's kind of, should be a little more uh, developed size-wise. But maybe he's just one of those guys that uh, he's not going to get massive. Damien McKenzie style. But he's got a, a bit of ticker, and the uh, most important role he's been asked to be in that team is to be the support player. Old bastards like me will think of players like Terry Lamb, who are always carting up through the middle. If someone made a burst, he was always on his shoulder. And, and Luke Metcalf was doing that an awful lot 
uh, in that game in particular. To be there to back them up is a uh, is a really important skill to have. Uh, he's got a bit of creativity to him, and he doesn't lack in confidence. He's also not overcalling the ball. Right, he's smart enough to know that uh, if Sean Johnson's asking for it, you let Sean Johnson have it in the form, and uh, he has. He also knows how to find those link plays. So, I'm a fan of um, of how Luke Metcalf's going. I think it is the right the right decision at the stage. Right, okay, can you answer me this and uh, a number of people that um, I spoke to over the weekend? Just say, for instance, um, Roger Tuovasashek is not in Ian Foster's first squad for the Super Rugby this weekend, and for all intents and purposes, it's not looking likely if he can't even make the Blues side. Logistically, is it possible for him to come across financially? Logistically, is it possible for him to come across sooner rather than later? Uh, I'd, I'll be I'd be surprised if it was uh, could get the right kind of dispensation to happen uh, that quick because the Warriors would probably need to clear some space on uh, on the roster. Now they're going to need to probably do that to better retain Johnson for next year anyway. But it would really they would have to cut somebody to bring it through. Now if respectfully to whoever is likely to be on the outside, you could say someone like a, um, they're talking about moving on uh, Volkman potentially in some quarters and uh, we know that Adam Pompey's off contract and I say that respectfully to these guys who are uh, both very good players if Roger Tuivasa-Sheik option came up you, you, you find a way to make it happen. I, I don't expect it to happen um, I, he's contracted through to December, he's made it quite clear that he doesn't want to be seen as pulling up sticks uh, on this and uh, not to mention that if he isn't in this squad Take a look at the Crusaders. You reckon they expected John Arthur to play this year? Probably not. Mm. So I, I, I don't think that if he, he gives up on chasing that dream, it, it would surprise me. It doesn't strike me as a very Roger Tuivasa-Sheck thing to do. Uh, he's said he'd honour it um, and not to come through. But look, stranger, stranger things happen on a regular basis. Uh, and Roger Tuivasa-Sheck coming in now would be an extraordinarily interesting headache. Um, I personally think an off-season rugby league again would help him. But I mean, we, know, we know that rugby league's in his blood. It works beautifully. Right, OK, let's get to uh, some tennis if we could, thanks. Um, Djokovic, now uh, he's got his 23rd uh, Grand Slam, uh, beating Kasparud overnight in straight sets. Uh, where now does he sit for you? Well, you, you can't argue anything but the um, but the greatest on stats, can you? And uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued with, what, um, with how he's going to be viewed because he, uh, he was desperate throughout his career to be loved. That was he tried so hard to to make that the case, but when there is already the uh, the uh, the Nadal and Federer um, machine that people were getting behind, sometimes you're better off to play the villain. Uh, and he has started to take ownership of of not really kind of caring as much about what the uh, public feel. And I think for a lot of people, certainly over his uh, stance during the pandemic, he um, he put himself in the firing line to be uh, that bad guy. And uh, it's working out for him results-wise. I mean, um, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker is cool, but you know Darth Vader is the real star of uh, of Star Wars, and and here he is as the uh, now the the most successful Grand Slam champion uh, in men's tennis history and you'll like his odds of, of, of being over, able to overtake Serena's 23 as well. I know he's equal with her and Margaret Court can finally be left in the dust by somebody. There's a, there's a lot to like about what he's doing and no one's going to come close for a long time. This is a record that will stand for an excruciating long time even if he doesn't bag another Grand Slam now and as, as much as I would love to see Nadal pull a tiger and, and come back and be this uh, force again all of a sudden, it's just so hard to imagine the way that you know his his body's been breaking down on him for a long time and holding him back in certain patches, um, I, I, it's hard to imagine we don't have uh, we we see him reaching those heights again. So, Djokovic has been 
ridiculously consistent. He's uh, it's a sport that is stats driven, and he's got the uh, the stats that matter. I mean, the, the oldest man to win at the French Open, he's what 36, and you you wouldn't rule out the possibility of uh, um, a calendar slam. And uh, you've got to say as well is that tennis needs him desperately. And I say this with all mm. respect to the Casper Rudds and, you know, and Carlos, and who has got knocked out of top spot. They're not the draws. No. I was all for the uh, the progression of, of people coming in and, and taking the top spot from these people, but not when there's not a, you know, they need to earn it by beating these names. It's like Federer left kind of on his terms and no one got to better him. Nadal feels like the same way, so there's no passing of the torch. It's just the big names going and the other lights expected to, to drag it through. So I think um, the, the future of, uh, of tennis looks bright, uh, but they really need people to start building up some rivalries with Djokovic, who's got that currency with the fans to be able to build it up. On the subject of needing, uh, Super Rugby, I think it's fair to say, needed uh, some real spectacles uh, at playoff time. Did they get it over the weekend? Um, and, and um, you know, are they now ramping it up when they need to? You're about to see it ramp up. I, I think the semi-finals will be great. The quarterfinals were always going to be all right in my opinion. It, it, the, form, the format doesn't work. Rugby League worked that out um, along the way, and I don't think there's depth in the um, in Super Rugby Pacific to be able to say, right, one versus eight is going to be a contest. It, it's, it's not. Eight struggles in there against a team who has been thoroughly dominant uh, throughout the year. And I say that respectfully to the Reds, who did give you know, a good shake. They scored more tries, so I'm not being a critical, but it was no one ever really felt that the, uh, the, Chris, the Chiefs were in, in danger along the way. There's obviously the lopsidedness of the, uh, of the other two um, quarterfinals with seeing the, uh, the Blues and the Crusaders um, get up along the way too. The best contest was the most evenly placed one. Four versus five, Hurricanes versus Brumbies. And, you know, controversial, absolutely, uh, but it was still a contest right throughout. You, you felt an ebb and flow, and that's what we'll hopefully see out of the semifinals. It's really uh, in vogue to say, oh, I've turned off Super Rugby and I've bailed on the game. I mean, Sir Wayne Smith started it, right? So now everybody thinks, if, if it's all right for the professor, it's okay for everybody else to look for a documentary on Netflix. Um, and it's easy to, to pan rugby uh, in that regard at the moment. And I maintain that if you wiped away history, legacy, uh, and just the, the, the nature of being of what you've grown up with. If you, if you could hit that reset button on sport and played a game of rugby league and a game of rugby to New Zealanders right now, I don't think rugby would be the number one sport in uh, in this country. I think it would be eclipsed because the product is better in rugby league right now. Uh, but things come in ebbs and flows. Uh, rugby just is, uh, is definitely uh, in a ebb right now. Sorry, I just want to see these semi-finals for the sake of the competition kick into that next gear and uh, thank goodness we've got a Crusaders Blues one to really make it hammer at home and we're likely to see Chiefs versus either the Crusaders or the Blues in the final so I think we're in for two really good weeks it's just unfortunate we had to sit through what 16 weeks of average to get there Do you have a bolter for Ian Foster's World Cup squad his first World Cup squad? He doesn't. I, I don't see Baltus. I, I, I can see a few um, players uncapped making their way through to this um, this first this first squad. But I, I think Stevenson is probably the only one um, that I can see that I go. I expect him to be in the uh, the World Cup squad. But I don't. Can we call, even call him a Bolter now? I think Ian Foster's going to get decried no. if he doesn't pick him. I think he. I think he's a. He's, he's, he's earned a spot rather than being a, a, a Bolter. He's, no, there's no. I don't see a special project. Um, being adapted or somebody pulled in that we didn't see coming. Um, so I, I think Sean Stevenson definitely adds to that um, the, the options within the back line um, and the only way we're seeing something 
out of that is uh, beyond those scopes is if we see um, real injuries come through. So I don't think there's any uh, great plan. I, I, he's been pretty consistent with the selections uh, right throughout his tenure, almost to his detriment and certainly um, to large criticism uh, over the years. But um, if he can pick the, virtually the same team uh, backing up from some um, terrible defeats to turn things around, I'd be very surprised if he thinks now's the time to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sam Ackerman, always uh, great to get your thoughts um, uh, across the board there this morning. Thanks for being part of the bulletin. Have a fine day, Sam. You too, mate. Cheers. Uh, OK, it is uh, coming up to uh, 10.44 here on SCNZ. We'll have some texts when we come back, and we've got to visit the TAB and have a chat to Paulie Mawati. There's uh, league odds tonight as well. It is uh, time for a short break. And service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Some really incredible, incredible golf being played under pressure in the playoff at the, the Canadian Open, I can tell you. Tommy Fleetwood, the Englishman against uh, Nick Taylor, the Canadian, just reminding you, no Canadian has uh, won his national title since 1954. Uh, well, they've both played some wonderful golf uh, down the 18th. They both buried their seconds in deep rough, uh, and they both got up and down for birdie. Sensational, um, particularly Tommy Fleetwood's putt from about 25 uh, feet away. It was uh, outstanding. So uh, so they uh, head back down to uh, the second playoff hole as rain starts to uh, become a factor too uh, in that uh, tournament coming to its concluding stages in Toronto uh, we've uh, also uh, got to uh, get to uh, Paul Moati before 11 o'clock just a, a note on the racing over the weekend outstanding performance uh, by Sam Clipperton and think about it to win the Stradbroke uh, which was uh, one of the features but uh, New Zealand jockeys to the fore also particularly in the JJ Atkins group one uh, King Colorado won the race uh, it was under Jason Collett Mick D ran second James McDonald third in the race so uh, really good performance there and uh, Wudamu Pin, Billy Pin. Uh, picking up um, a treble too at to Sandown over the weekend. So New Zealand jockeys uh, really to the fore in Australia over the weekend. Uh, there is NRL action tonight. Uh, there's still the NBA to be sorted out. And, of course, there'll be some early betting too on uh, the Super Rugby. Let's find out uh, about those figures now very shortly with Paul Mawati from the TAB. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. I love Monday mornings and one of the reasons why is because uh, the PGA tournaments uh, always uh, finish up around about the time that we're on air and uh, this one at uh, the Royal Bank of Canada uh, Canadian Open is far from over as they head down the second playoff hole, which means uh, those people have had a wager on it too are very excited. Uh, good morning to Paul Moati. Uh, I love this time of the week. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's right, uh, Smitty. And if you're one of the punters that backed either Nick Taylor or Tommy Fleetwood, then you are very much invested in what is going on right now. As you said, they've already played the 18th again um, and both birdied it. Um, so they're heading back down 18 um, to have another go. Uh, Nick Taylor's just had his uh, tee shot, and he's uh, in the rough on the right side of the fairway. It's a short par five, about 499 yards. Um, so it is reachable in two. Um, but, yeah, both of them birdied the first playoff hole. They're playing it again now. Tommy Fleetwood currently $1.60 to win the Canadian Open. Nick Taylor now at $2.27. 
So the betting changes shot by shot, yeah? Uh, yes, very much so. Um, I think the, as they teed off, Tommy Fleetwood was around a dollar eighty-three. Nick Taylor was a dollar ninety-two. Uh, Taylor, I haven't seen uh, Fleetwood's uh, tee shot, but I'm guessing that he's in the middle of the fairway somewhere because he's now into a dollar sixty. And Nick Taylor, who uh, pushed his right slightly, is now two twenty-seven. But uh, depending on the lie, will probably be able to um, reach the green in two anyway. So, Paulie, we've also got um, rare Monday night action in the NRL, which is fantastic tonight. And, of course, uh, we've still got the Nuggets and the Heat going at it. Yep, tonight the Canterbury Bulldogs and the Parramatta Eels will finish off uh, this round of NRL football. We've got the Eels at $1.44, the Bulldogs at $2.70. The boys have also put up a boosted market. It looks pretty good, too. Uh, Josh Adokar or Mike Acevo to be the first try scorer in that match tonight. Was $4, now out to $4.50. That has been very, very popular with punters, and you can understand why. Uh, the Foxes have been in red-hot form of late, and Mike Acevo just loves scoring tries. So that boosted market has been picked up by punters. In terms of the NBA Finals, of course, we head back to Denver, where the Nuggets will look to close out this NBA Finals series. They're $1.24 favourites. The Heat $3.90. Money has come for the heat, though. Punter's looking for them to extend the series. They're down 3-1. Um, but at the moment, uh, Jokic and the Nuggets have been very, very good in this series and will be very tough to beat at home. Hasn't turned the punters off, though. They're on the heat at 3.90. Thanks, Paulie. We can tell you there, Tommy Fleetwood was uh, in the middle of the fairway, but he has carved absolutely carved a second into the grandstand, can you believe it? Into the grandstand on the 18th hole. Uh, we'll keep you updated there as we will with a review of the NRL over the weekend with uh, the one, the only, Andrew Voss after the news break here with Aroha. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Tackle five now, goes to Johnson. Johnson with a kick out towards the corner. Wittenese Lesniak, it's a catch! And what what an amazing try from Dallin Wittenese Lesniak! It's going to be his eighth try in eight games. And I tell you what, you want to watch it again. And he's going to be slow to play the ball, Mitch Barnett on tackle three. Now Egan goes right side. Here's Johnson. Johnson skipping around the back. Nickel Klukstar, he's got a man on the outside. He doesn't need him. Charge Nickel Klukstar against his former club. Getting expansive. Nothing wrong with it. Here goes Egan out of dummy half. He's got Harris on the right. They go through to uh, Tom Arle, And Tom Arle goes right underneath the posts. In NRL game number 21, Tom Ale has his first try in the first grade. 10 metres out from the Raiders line on tackle five. Here's Nickel Klukstar. Back towards the middle to Johnson. Johnson with players oh. running through. And Luke Metcalf gets another for the Warriors underneath the posts. Now the Raiders are oh. spreading it early on tackle one. Sean Johnson, who can't believe his luck has just snatched it out of the air. What were the Raiders thinking? I guess they had to try something, but I think it was Joey Tarpany who essentially threw a pass to Sean Johnson and said, here you go, mate. Under the sticks you go. Grant Atkins will blow the whistle and the Warriors will spoil the Jared Croker party in Canberra. Well, there you go. Um, That was uh, highlights uh, courtesy of our very own Sam 
uh, Hewitt calling the action there on uh, the weekend, and it was a fantastic performance, very uh, gutsy performance, I think, uh, performance defensively, um, I guess, first of all. So let's welcome in uh, Andrew Voss, of course, calling uh, plenty of action over the weekend himself. Uh, but that was impressive, 36-14 to 14 in the end, uh, the Warriors over the Raiders. Um, and I think, uh, good morning to you, Voss. He's set up by some pretty resolute defence in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Uh, good morning, Smithy. Good morning, listeners. Give you three words. The real deal. Um, that's my description of the Warriors. The real deal. There's nothing fluky about their performances. Um, there's there's effort. There's skill. There is strategy. Uh, and the other night, on such an emotional night for the team they were playing, the Canberra Raiders, the Warriors went about their job like a very good side. Not just a good side, like a very good side. Um, so I'd be greatly encouraged more so than any other game this year on the back of what the Warriors did on Friday night. Um, they're sitting up in the top eight. There are a lot of other clubs with a lot of troubles. Uh, the Warriors are not one of them at the moment. They've got a bit of depth as well. We keep talking about um, Sean Johnson uh, week after week. The combination now with Luke Metcalf um, is starting to bed in quite nicely. Um, but still there's doubt over where Johnson will go at the end of the season. I, I think it's way too early to talk about the end of the season. I'm enjoying this one so much. But uh, here's a guy that is uh, uh, answering a few questions if they're being asked. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, and toughness as well. Uh, the other night, given, you know, the knock and to come back on and intercept from the kickoff, all of those things. I mean, Sean Johnson is playing um, now very good attack. He is playing like a leader. Sean Johnson, where he had critics in the past, uh, where he would drift in and out of games, and I think Sean would have to concede that was a true observation. It is not happening now. Sean Johnson is running this side. Yeah, he doesn't have to have the C next to his name. He is playing like a, a classic halfback. And even his running game has returned, his confidence. And i tell you what's the best thing about it all, Smithy. He's doing so much with a smile on his face. Like, uh, he's... Yeah, it, it made me reflect, actually, a chat I had my wife. I said, because she's followed Sean. She liked Sean as well. Um, <laughs> big fan of Sean Johnson is my wife. And she was saying, and it's a very good point, you know, none of us were to know how big the effect of COVID was with those taken away from their families and what impact that would have on your doing your job. Um, and, and that must be true. I mean, with Sean and the Warriors players, those that were away from home and then had to get split up and young family and all that, how you know it's fine to say they get well paid do your job train play that's what you're there to do but if things aren't good at home you know if you are sad and and there would have been times you'd be very sad and and miss his family it would have an effect on you doing your job i think not everyone's cut from the same cloth you know it, it would have an effect more so on others than than some you know and some have kids some don't and the disruption of the last few years and maybe sean johnson is living proof of that that you know happy back at home and being home and with his wife and kids, that's a very positive influence on his football. A uh, bit of a comeuppance for the Dolphins against the Sea Eagles the other night. Are we seeing perhaps a, a change in the fortunes for Wayne Bennett's outfit now? Yeah, well, my suspicion was the week before they hit the wall and then that got absolutely cemented on, um, on Friday night. The effort areas weren't there, Smithy. I mean... I mean, I used a line, poor old Tessie knew on a kick, he turned around, I said, I've, I've seen milk turn quicker. Um, mm. and, but he wasn't alone. <laughs> the, they, the, the, the effort wasn't there. And I, 
you know, a cliche is, um, you know, haven't turned up to play. The, the Dolphins didn't turn up to play the other night. They were just, they were going at a, like Manly was going at a different speed to the Dolphins, and that would be very disappointing. And Wayne Bennett's got, you know, a, a bye week to review where his team is at now. After all the good work they've done, the last two weeks have been very disappointing. Right, let's look at um, an incredible uh, match, probably the match of the round in terms of a spectacle, and that was uh, the Broncos and the Knights and the match-up in the number one jerseys. Oh, Reese Walsh, Kalen Ponga. That, look, the, the match was superb, Smithy. The match was a 9.5 out of 10. The fullback battle, 9.5 out of 10, I thought just fantastic. You know, you could just make a highlights reel out of those two players from the night. Um, and, and the respect at the end. You know, we, we follow a great sport, and there they were embracing at the end of the game. I thought that was fantastic. Um, Walsh is a super player. There's no, no doubt about that. Kalen Pong is still a super player, but you know was a checkered path this season because of the concussions. I'm not. I'm not saying it's the end of rep football for Kalen Ponga by any stretch, but Queensland, if both of those blokes are fit, are going to face a tough decision every year when they have to name their number one because they're both very, very good. And as for moments within the match, I don't know whether I've seen too many better passes than Ezra Mam to Adam Reynolds for the match-winning try. Mm. Like I, yeah. I'm putting it up there with one of the best passes I have ever seen thrown. And the more I watched it, the higher opinion I had of it. Because it's it's not just flick, it's around the corner of a defender. It's done at pace and it's it's spiral flick. You know, like where do you learn how to do that? It's an incredible moment by obviously a very much a natural talent in Ezra Man. Great, great moment. Great game. And that combination is very, very strong. I mean, there are superstar combinations in the NRL, but I don't think as a combo, as a combo um, there's much better than the understanding these two have. Oh, look, things are going so well around Adam Reynolds. So Adam Reynolds is playing... You talk about your leaders with Sean Johnson. There's, mm-hmm. there's something to be said for having um, a half, isn't there, in their 30s. I mean, look at Daly Cherry Evans at Manly. You know, he is... He's the glue for that side. He's the leader. Adam Reynolds in his 30s. Sean Johnson in his 30s. Yeah, if you're going to have a Blake in their 30s, make it in the playmaker role who can play leader. And again, they don't have to be captain. But in the case of Reynolds and DCE, they are captains. But Reynolds has been an incredible influence on Walsh and an incredible influence on Ezra Mam. And you can see these young fellas. I mean, they're, they're 10 and 12 years. He's junior, you know. But they, yeah. they're, you know, it's working, isn't it? It works a treat. Right, let's uh, look at um, the, the result that upset my apple cart a wee bit. I've got a vested interest in the Sharks, um, but I shouldn't have perhaps now Ooh. because um, their record against the top eight sides is abysmal and that was a complete and utter pasting last night. Yeah, sometimes we can quote stats, uh, stats you know, to create an argument and, and to, you know, put forward an argument or to, to, to debate something, but the stat now is just... It's, it's just ringing true with the Sharks. They're just not beating big sides. And now you go searching for why that is. And I floated a theory that they've got half a dozen forwards that have been top liners from this year. They average less than, you know, 40 minutes a game. You know, some are, some are less than 30 minutes a game. And that's their top forwards. I just wonder whether, you know, that, that's, that's not good enough. None of the leading sides have players like that. You know, Penrith, James Fisher-Harris, he's not going to play less than 40 minutes. I mean, you need... But, you know, if you're only getting 25 good minutes out of players, then you need a lot of players to, to put in good 25 mm. minutes, you know? Like, 
if they if one bloke's having a good twenty five, but the other's not, there's no way you're going to win big matches. I think based on that, Craig Fitzgibbon has to find better minutes, better quality minutes. Like Royce Hunt, Braden Hamlin, well, they're good players. But, like, in Royce Hunt's case, he averages 29 minutes a game. You know, Braden Hamlin-Welle is averaging 35, 36 minutes a game. That's just not good enough. I don't believe for Cronulla to be um, a big match side. And yesterday was... Well, Craig Bellamy said last week about his own team that the Storm were putrid. Yesterday, the Sharks were putrid. It was awful. It was awful, all right. I can tell you. Um, I've basically torn my ticket up on them, I can promise you. Uh, what did you make of the stouch between uh, Wararia Hargreaves and Spencer Lineu at the weekend? Uh, anything to come out of that? Smithy, condemn me as a hypocrite, um, if you will, in advance. Let me say this. This is, this is one half of the Voss brain. <laughs> Great theatre. Entertainment. I laughed. Other side of me says, you know what? Jared should be suspended. You can't, you can't be throwing a water bottle, the squirt, the water, and all of that. I think there should be suspension, and you know we do have precedent, uh, precedents with uh, George Burgess back in 2015. He got a two-game ban for throwing a water bottle from the bench at Roosters player Kane Evans. It missed, and he still got a two-game ban. I just think Jared, the theatre of it, and I love his aggression and all of that. But you can't be throwing a water bottle, even if it's a soft throw or whatever. You can't be doing it, and it it shouldn't just be a fine. It should be a a sentence, a, a suspension, just one game. That's all it needs to be mm. that accompanies that contrary conduct. In my opinion, yep, totally agree. I think you got to set a you got to set a standard, and um, uh, on a high profile player, I think it's fair enough as well. And it's not like it's his first. Um, Indiscretion, shall we say? Mm. Hey, but the, the round isn't over yet, uh, Vossi. We've got no. what four consecutive nights of NRL tonight: Bulldogs and Eels. How do you see that? Well, it's been fantastic. You know, this is what I this is the nirvana that I'm pushing for. That we play rugby league six or seven days a week. Um, so we've had Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Now Monday. It, it, just to let our listeners know, Smithy, it is the King's birthday holiday here in New South Wales, but not in Queensland, not in WA, but it is in Victoria, South Australia, Northern Territory, Tasmania, ACT. So we're, on, we're not even on the same page across the country, but Bulldogs and Eels today, how about this, Smithy? King's birthday holiday, first time. You've got King Gutho playing, Clint Gutherson, and you've got Max King in the Canterbury side. I'm saying, can both of them get tries? To set that up last night, Josh King scored a try for... Melbourne against Cronulla. He's only got five tries in his career, and he scores on the eve of the King's birthday. So, get me on the phone on your program tomorrow with King Gutho. Gutherson scores the first try, and Max King scores only the third try in his career. I think it's in the it's in the tea leaves, Smithy. I'm seeing in the tea leaves that there's going to be a bit of King action on the King's birthday. I think Parramatta win, but no certainty. I think this will be this this will be a good match. This no Dylan Brown, of course, for Parramatta. Um, Mitchell Moses playing for maybe the number seven jersey for New South Wales. Um, I'm hearing Gutherson's a chance as well to get a bench spot. Uh, So big game on lots of fronts. I'm going to tip the Eels to win. But, um, yeah, watch out for the first try and the anytime try scorers. What do your tea leaves tell you about the future for Luke Brooks having turned down an offer from the Tigers? Well, some may say he should have done this a few years ago, maybe cut the cord away from the Tigers, but he's been, yeah, he's been well paid for a number of seasons. He's now um, past the 200 game milestone for the West Tigers, which is a great achievement. But yeah, I, 
I think in the best interests of Luke Brooks getting the best out of the rest of his career, I think he should try his hand somewhere else. Um, and I think it, it it could be as much Australia as it could be England. It could be England. You know, there's there's talk there and there's a few clubs like Leeds over there are struggling and they're a big club. They might look at him. Um, and then you look in Australia and you think, well, Canberra would have to be a number one contender for a for a half five eight, uh, given that Jack White is leaving the club. So, yeah, and there would be others. Um, so if I'm Luke Brooks, I'm thinking, yeah, time to, to move on from the Tigers and find your potential somewhere else. Um, it doesn't come as a massive surprise to me the state of play with Luke Brooks at the Tigers and the contract situation. You made a great point on Twitter yesterday, uh, Vossi, showcasing the need for perhaps a New Zealand second team in the comp after looking at the number of New Zealand-born players uh, featuring mm. uh, particularly in the Dolphins lineup as well. So um, is that something you're going to persevere with uh, throughout? So you, you'll be doing, doing a pitch to the NRL on our behalf, will you? I, I will, Smithy. Um, and I think uh, my opinion reinforced this year by the Dolphins coming in and giving Queensland, South East Queensland, that extra derby. I still think the New Zealand derby as part of the big picture would be fantastic to have two New Zealand sides going head-to-head. We've never had it, obviously. We've never had it. Uh, to have that in the NRL going forward. But just to reinforce that point, the other night, and, and I don't think I've ever called a game um, where the players were all born 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Like from 5, 8 all the way through to your hooker, we're all New Zealand born and you can throw Jermaine Asako into the mix out in the back line as well. And that's an Australian-based club. So there's obviously enough talent to pick from to uh, to boost the playing pool of, um, of, of NRL competitors, which you would need to go to the extra, you know, extra yard. And... I think it would inspire others, you know, others that are contemplating, you know, between rugby union and rugby league. If there's a second rugby league club, it could be the the catalyst for saying, no, no, I'm going to persevere with rugby league. So bring it on. A second team in New Zealand for mine is a must, and I would rather it be sooner than later. I think now is the oh. time to strike, and rugby union not exactly flying. It's certainly not flying over here, Smithy. Uh, I'd, mm. be, I'd be sticking the second rugby league side of New Zealand right now. Well, being uh, King's birthday and you're having a, a decent old uh, long lunch, I would imagine, somewhere uh, in Sydney, you're celebrating the fact that you are the World Test Champions and deservedly so. Uh, an outstandingly and standing performance from, mm. uh, I think, the best equipped side in world cricket at the moment. Yeah, how good was Scott Boland, Smithy? What about that? I mm. was actually nervous going into the last day and then he goes bang, bang in the one over and they go from three down to five down and then it's, OK, let's get this, get this completed. He's now a must. For the Ashes, Scott Boland, he's got to be, it's got to be Cummins and Boland, obviously in, and they're going to have to sort out the rest. But um, can I just say this, Smithy, you being, you know, great ex-cricketer, Gil, the Indian, I mean, going to social media, if you stood and contested the umpire's decision, you would be fined some of your match fee, wouldn't you? If you stood out on the field and... So what's the difference when you put it on social media after the game? Should he not be fined, his match fee, for, for putting out his little post and to his 1.2 million followers? I thought that was inflammatory and a poor show by Gil. Um, you've got to cop the umpire's decision. Let others, like us, then debate whether, it's, you know, whether it was out or not. But he needs to accept the decision. So I think he should be fined for showing dissent via social media. 
Let's see if the, what is it, the BCCI do anything about it. I, I won't hold my breath. But um, mm. I think he should be fine for, for what he did post-dismissal. Look, I, I think you're right um, because of the drawing power he has as an Indian superstar um, and the, the sway he can have. I, I totally agree with you on that. I would imagine they'll look at that. Um, from what I saw about it, um, they, they had the process, the umpires questioned it. Um, and then the decision was made on the big screen. Uh, you've got to go, son. You've got to go. There's no point, and there's no ramifications after that. There are none. Uh, you no. just have to get on with it. Uh, and I'm sorry, you were so com- so comfortably beaten as well, Shovman. So comfortably beaten. Uh, just take yes. it. Yeah, yeah. And, but the, the rule book does say it can touch a blade of grass. The ball can actually, mm. you know, as long as you've got the fingers there, he's holding the ball. Then mm. can skim the grass, if you will, and and and. But anyway, it is so close, and when you're talking about magnifying things by about three hundred to try and prove in or out, I just think Gil, yeah. you're right. I just, as I say, I'm not holding the breath, but I believe he should be fined for dissent via social media because he mm. he put that post out while the match was still going. I think I'm right in saying, yeah, like I I think absolutely should be fined. Yeah, it might be something that uh, they do even um, with Richie Richardson uh, as uh, the the match referee. Perhaps it falls within his um, his barrier. I don't. I, I think you're right. I do not see the BCCI taking too much action <laughs> against it. <laughs> However, uh, hey Vossi, terrific. Uh, enjoy the success um, and uh, look forward to uh, the completion of another round of NRL tonight. Really do uh, love Monday Night Footy as you do. Cheers, man. Been great. Good on you. And Warriors fans, enjoy it. Well done. Um, Get on the bus. Get on the Warriors bus for the rest of this season. There's not a lot of room left, I can promise you that. 11.21, Vossi. 11.21 on this side of the Tasman. Thank you so much, man. Have a terrific week. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Well, as we head across to Logan Swinkles on the sports desk, we can tell you there is no result for the golf yet. They're halfway down the fourth playoff hole. So we'll try and keep you updated. And if not, uh, staff will have to give you that information after 12 o'clock if it continues in this vein. Right, Logan, let's uh, get to you with uh, news coming through this morning. Of what in particular? Yes, yeah, Sports Desk Polaris Field Day specials are on now, Smithy. Could you believe they're on to the fourth playoff hole? This is uh, thrilling stuff. Awesome news in Major League Cricket, uh, Smithy. This is really building up for the inaugural season later this year. Ross Taylor has signed on with the Seattle Orcas as their batting coach. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I heard a rumour that this might be the case. More and more Kiwis will get involved in this league um, because uh, it'll it'll build, it'll, it'll grow, and it'll become quite a strong one. It won't get to IPL stage, but uh, it will become quite... Uh, an evident one, and the, one of the reasons why is because uh, the United States has been awarded, uh, along with the West Indies, the T20 World Cup next year. Um, so uh, that'll principally be played, uh, Logan, down there in Florida, um, uh, at the top of the Caribbean, of course, the top of the, where the West Indies uh, joins up uh, with uh, the bottom of America there. So uh, principally it'll be played in that state. This, I understand, even though he's uh, the batting coach of the Seattle Orcas, this, this tournament, I think, is entirely... In Texas. Yes, it is. Uh, and then moving on a little bit closer to home for you, Smithy. 
Uh, if you were watching the rugby, uh, which I know a lot of people were doing on Saturday with the Super Rugby uh, quarterfinals, you missed one hell of a thriller in the Sales NBL. He's going to decide the game. He crosses over him. Now time. He finds Calvin Ponto, who goes 11 for 11 and wins the game for the Bulls. Del Dom Kalman Porto Smithy, perfect game. He shot 11 from 11 plus uh, two from the three throw line to get 24 points. Now, the Bay Hawks had no business being in overtime in this game. They were down by 22 points uh, in the third quarter, but they managed to turn things around in that fourth quarter, force an overtime. At one point, they were ahead and they did have a chance to potentially level the score, get, actually no, to go ahead and win if they uh, could score on the last play. There was like 0.4 seconds on the clock. They go to throw the ball in. Uh, <laughs> it Falcons, the uh, the Bayhawks player that was throwing the ball in, game over. What a way to end it. Uh, just absolute drama. Just some great scenes in the sales NBL there, Smithy. Of course, the uh, Togo Nuggets were able to crack down on that four-game losing streak. They won again. And uh, this is how things are looking now in the sales NBL on that table. The Auckland Tuatara beat the Franklin Bulls last night for an outright lead on first. So they're 9-3. and three. Then there's a bit of a traffic jam there. The Bulls, the Rams from Canterbury and the Nuggets are all 8-4. and four. The Saints from Wellington are 6-6. Six and six. And in that last Final six spot. You've got the Southland Sharks five and seven. So really heading up here, Smithy, towards the end of the season. Right. Okay. That uh, you know, I look forward to that, and we'll take uh, more and more note of that. Of course, um, as uh, the season progresses, uh, NBA probably over tomorrow. I'm picking Logan. Um, as the Stanley Cup might be coming to a close, you think? Oh yes, you've got it in your multi, Smithy. And I did say when you texted me this morning that. I think this is pretty much a sure a sure thing. The scenes at the end of the game, uh, game four, where the Vegas Golden Knights won and now take a series lead, 3-1. Game five is Wednesday in Vegas. They have a chance to win their first time ever as a franchise uh, on their own ice. Yeah, you, you can build a rivalry here in the Stanley Cup final, Smithy. And there's, despite the fact Vegas and uh, Florida are not traditional hockey markets, there's a mm. lot of bad blood going here. Uh, <laughs> was, oh, I can't wait for Game 5, Smithy. I, the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights have only been a franchise for six seasons and have been so consistent bar last year uh, and have made their second Stanley Cup finals within that time, this is the first time the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup final since 1996. Uh, and they have this weird tradition of throwing rats, toy rats, on the ice. We saw plenty of it after that game. It was a bit of a disgrace with fans throwing water bottles and stuff. So not really a big fan of that. But I am looking forward to seeing how heated Game 5 is going to get, Smithy. Call me on Wednesday. Uh, look, Call me on Wednesday or uh, Thursday and you can get my, uh, my pulse on that. I look forward to that, and I also I'll tell you what I also look forward to is if one day um, I'm taking the um, American side of T uh, Twenty cricket to Las Vegas. What a place that would be to be! You've got a guaranteed fine weather, so you're going to have your tournament. You can make great cricket pitches, and what about the entertainment and, and the English coming up? Oh man, 
let's just do it. Let's do IPL cricket in Las Vegas. What a place. What a venue. Uh, thanks for that, Logan. It's uh, 11.32. Uh, I think uh, as they line up these putts on the uh, fourth playoff hole, um, I think it's fair to say that uh, Nick Taylor has one from about 80 feet. Um, that's for Eagle. Um, and Tommy Fleetwood has about a 15-footer for birdie. So we'll keep you posted after the news here with Araha. But also, please, ring up uh, 0800 150 811. Dial up 0800 150 811. It's time to stump Smithy. 50 bucks up for grabs this morning. It's been years in the making So turn the lights down low Rolling up my sleep Right now I'm in my zone Put your eyes pace are you serious oh my goodness glorious and free that is Jim Nance describing um, a miraculous putt on the last the fourth playoff hole of uh, the Canadian Open where the local let's remind you no one's won from Canada their own tournament since 1954 this guy has sunk a putt literally from the end of the earth uh, Nick Taylor probably about 70 to 80 feet away in front of his adoring fans, his uh, Canadian uh, PGA Tour mates, are uh, all uh, course side as well. And uh, honestly, one of the biggest putts I've ever seen um, in any game of golf, let alone to win a golf tournament of that stature. So well done to Nick Taylor, creating a bit of history there in Toronto this morning. Great theatre, absolutely great theatre, and there's nothing boring about a good old game of golf, I can promise you. It is 11.37. There's nothing uh, too boring about Stump Smithy either because there's always a harsh competition. Uh, so Logan Swinkles is in the chair today. Brian sort, uh, has sorted out the callers. Uh, who are we going to first, Logan? Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yeah, Smithy, playing for a $50 TAB bonus bet today. First at the crease, we're going to my favourite part of the country, Queenstown. Todd, come in, mate. How you doing? Yeah, great. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Pretty excited, uh, Todd, watching the golf this morning. I mean, it just the uh, sport around the world just continues to impress us. I'm not sure if you're much of a golfer yourself, but when you seek a putt for a couple of million bucks from about 80 feet away, um, it tends to get you out of your seat, I can promise you. Uh, right, so uh, what are we looking at uh, for Todd this morning? What are the subjects? All right, categories today are rugby league, golf, and basketball. Take your pick. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> I'll have a crack at basketball. All right, good luck. First question for you. The Denver Nuggets are leading the NBA Finals three games to one. What year did they last make the NBA Finals? 
Whoa. Ah, they've never made wow. it. Just a couple of chips down the wicket. Right in the slot. And away it goes. Oh, he tries the ball the wrong and gets completely red. Well done there. Yeah. yeah, well done. Absolutely good one, Todd. Yeah, this is going to be history for them, and it's going to happen, I promise you. Uh, this uh, this guy, Jokic, is just too good. A phenom, a phenom. Right, question two. Second question. How many NBA championships have the Miami Heat won overall? Um, three. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Oh, Smithy, for someone who begrudgingly picked basketball, not doing too bad there, Todd. 2006, 2012, 2013, that was the last time. Yeah, let's make it fair, Todd. Give us a crack, will you? Come on. <laughs> All right, we'll see how up to play you are. A bit more locally, shall we say. The Auckland Tuatata coach, Aaron Young, has scored a coaching job in the Australian NBL. What team will he be joining? I think it's the Perth Wildcats. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yeah, Perth Wildcats. Wow, you didn't even stand a chance today, Smithy. Oh, blown out of the water. Unbelievably blown out of the water in very, very quick fashion. So, uh, OK, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> that's it. Todd, uh, congratulations. Yeah, um, joining uh, the Perth Wildcats, of course, uh, along with the Otago Nuggets, a part of the... SCN franchise as such so we uh, support them so Hutchie's gone and brought Aaron Young over to his cause over there. Uh, well done mate congratulations good start to the week for you Todd. Yep. Um, Brian I'm pretty yep. sure we'll have your details we'll just confirm those and we'll be back again tomorrow morning for another fitty up for grabs uh, thanks for playing well done Cheers thank you Cheers that is uh, coming up to 11.41 here um, and yes, uh, quite incredible, isn't it? Quite incredible, that golf finish. Um, and uh, we'll have some texts before we hand over to Staffy uh, as he looks to take over around midday this morning. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.46 and uh, yes, uh, texts have come in and uh, we got the one with uh, Stephen Elka finishing second, uh, equal, which was cool. He uh, banks uh, another 192,000 US dollars this morning, Stephen Elka, uh, which takes him, uh, I think, uh, over a million again uh, for this calendar year so far. Still plenty of golf to be played. Uh, went down to Steve Stricker and there's every reason why Steve Stricker should have won this. Incidentally, it's his uh, third win or fourth win of the season. Uh, he played in his home city of Madison, Wisconsin, Steve Stricker, in front of his home crowd. Uh, and not only that, he played on a golf course owned by his father-in-law. I mean, you just can't get closer to home than that, can you? The University Ridge Club is owned by Dennis Tiziani, Steve Stricker's father-in-law. Oh, God. Uh, let's talk about winning in your backyard. It takes it to a new level. Uh, right, let's uh, look at uh, some of the other texts that have come in. Uh, thoughts on the WTC final, Smithy? Well, I think the best side uh, clearly won. Uh, there was only one partnership of substance in it, 285 on the first day, really, uh, which set the tone for Australia's first innings, uh, which I think was always going to be competitive. Uh, it looked like, uh, aside from that, a relatively even contest, although when you get that kind of a partnership, it's pretty much match-defining, and that was the one. So Travis head man of the match, Steve Smith another 100. Um, and um, now, of course, uh, yes, you say, uh, Nick says, look, uh, it's going to be uh, a long series for Baz if Travis head bats like that. I think he'll play well, Travis head. 
Uh, I think it, I'm looking at it uh, on a daily basis or, uh, as we prepare for the first day of the first test starting this Friday. I, I look at uh, the top orders of both sides and um, obviously if you look at the records of Warner and Kawaja, they're way, way in advance of those of Duckett um, and Zach Crawley. But uh, Warner is not in great touch. I mean, he's closer to the end than the beginning. We all know that. He's optimistically said he wants to bail out of test cricket in his home test of Sydney next calendar year. Well, He's going to have to play very well in the Sashes uh, to make sure that that dream comes true. And Kawaja has never been fantastic on English soil. Uh, so you weigh that up, the two left-handers against Duckett, left-hander and Crawley, and you think to yourself, um, this copy could be quite even. Whoever wins this and gives their side a good start uh, could be a defining factor in that. So that's where I, I look at that. Uh, Chris has come in and said, yes, that was poor form from Gil, Shivman Gil, um, going on um, social media claiming... Um, that um, he was hard done by after the match um, uh, of course it was was clearly looked at by um, the TMO and uh, the match referees etc and and they decided that uh, the catch was claimed and claimed fairly so you've got to go Shovman, you can't overturn that and there's no point reacting to it and influencing all the people that you can you just have to accept it, whether he'll be admonished for that uh, is doubtful but uh, certainly uh, not really good form. Rick has come in on an entirely different uh, scenario here. Rugby rules continue to spoil a spectacle. When the ref can't confirm or deny that there has been a try, the play should continue. After the final whistle sounds, when penalties are awarded, play can carry on until the ball is in touch and knock on, etc. The attacking team shouldn't be penalised if there's non-conclusive proof that a try had not been scored. Yeah, look, I think there's a fair point there. Absolutely a fair point to be made. They could have uh, perhaps uh, played on in that respect. I think it was, what, their fourth minute of extra time anyway. Um, so uh, I think the Hurricanes will look at that. They might feel a bit hard done by, but they'll also rue uh, one or two other opportunities they had to uh, close out the match. Good season for the Hurricanes. Pretty good season. How will you uh, reflect on the performance of Jason Holland as their head coach? Uh, where does he go down? Uh, Chris Gibbs, of course, is... Uh, heading off to uh, do other things for a little while. I hope he's not lost to rugby. He's a damn good coach, damn good bloke, Chris Gibbs. So let's hope uh, he continues in uh, in some form or another. But I, I I look at that and I just think, it, again, um, just a, a side that failed to deliver on uh, a, a promising season. Had some injury issues, of course, around the locking department in particular. Uh, lost Julian Sevilla towards the end of the season when perhaps they could have done with him. But... They just, again, just fell at the last uh, second last hurdle, didn't they, the Hurricanes? So uh, for them, for them, um, another one of those could have been seasons, I think, it's fair to say. Uh, text in to say, uh, we've heard that Bryn Gatland is off um, to uh, try and put a bit of cash in the bank, and fair enough. Um, Caleb Trask is back from Japan, so there you go. Uh, so maybe a natural crossover there. Caleb Trask, very, very good footballer, absolutely outstanding footballer, uh, to slot back into um, that... Uh, 10 role or that utility role from uh, the Chiefs perspective maybe um, Clayton McMillan's already been on the blower there, that would be uh, I think a very sensible signing, so uh, yeah, thanks very much for your thoughts this morning, been outstanding when we come back we'll check in with what Staffy's got on offer this afternoon